This video is sponsored by Game Toppers. Turn your own kitchen or dining room table into a premium portable game solution at a fraction of the cost. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to a new series I'm going to do on the drive through Games channel. So this idea actually came from a random post that I saw on the board game subreddit over on Reddit. And then I thought about it and it kind of quickly came to me and I thought, okay, let me try this out. Because last year I did this series called Don't Look Back, which is kind of like a series the Dice Tower does where they look back the last 10, 5, and 2 years ago and that kind of stuff. And I did that and it went okay, but I, for various reasons, kind of struggled to put a list together with that and kind of get excited about doing that. Um, so this series, though, is over the next 10 weeks, I'm going to do this series. Okay, because right now Gen Con is hitting as I'm recording this. Gen Con's in a couple of days. When you get around to watching this, Gen Con might have started today or be tomorrow. And I wanted to go back and look at the years of games. So I'm going to go start from today, 2010, all the way for 10 years into uh, 2019. And everybody, uh, a lot of people ask me, you know, hey, will you go back and look at old games, review old games and stuff like that? And that's always something I want to do and want to set aside time to do. I don't always have time to do. And so I'm going to look at 10 Geek Lists because it started in 2010. And there's a guy by the name Rick Vineyard over on Board Game Geek. He's a Board Game Geek user. I will have links to uh, the Geek List with each of the videos. And he compiles and the Board Game Geek community votes on the kind of top 20 most anticipated games for the upcoming year. So I'm going to look at what people were most excited about, most hyped about for 2010 and then next week I'll do 2011 and then so on. So we'll do one a week for 10 weeks. And this will be alongside, you know, my other reviews and vlogs and stuff that I do. So I just wanted to kind of make the commitment to work through these 10 and kind of see where they're at and see if the games are still talked about, if, you know, if I still have them, if I still play them, that kind of thing and see kind of where the, kind of the trend of the industry, so to speak, has uh, transformed in terms of you know what people get excited about and things like that. I will say I have the game, the one game on this list that I still have in my collection. I'll show you that when we get to it. But let's start. We're gonna work through the, the 20 here. We're gonna start with number 20 and get to the number one most like hyped, anticipated game uh, of the list, and then I'll talk about it. And again, I'll have links to this stuff below, so look forward for more of these to come. So we're gonna start here with number 20. And this is All Things Zombie, the board game from Lock and Load, which is a traditional kind of war game publisher. But they kind of took and applied war game mechanics to this kind of zombie theme. This is back in 2010, where kind of that zombie craze, I think, was probably at its peak or getting close to its peak. Uh, I've not played this game. Um, the one interesting thing about this, I'll talk about this one, number 20, All Things Zombie, the board game. And the next one, number 19, which I'll show here, is The Guns of Gettysburg. So these are two... Uh, you know, kind of traditional war games from war game publishers. Uh, Guns of Gettysburg was from Mercury Games. And I don't know, I'm, I'm going to make a guess. I have not gone through all the lists yet. I just grabbed this one and was like, okay, let's talk about it. I don't know that we're going to see a lot of the traditional war games kind of last through these lists and through these years. I'm curious. I could be wrong because uh, the Board Game Geek community is a very kind of special, dedicated uh, salty community, salty in the best way. Not, not, you know, not like being a jerk salty, but they're kind of, you know, they've been through a lot and they've seen a lot of games and stuff, you know, th theoretically. So I wonder if that kind of board, uh, war game strain is going to stay. So like I said, not played either of these. I don't hear people talk about these. I mean, at first I was like, was that a game that existed? And this was in the top 20 most hyped games of the year. I don't remember these games at all. And I will say to be fair, 2010 was kind of the year I started to do the deep dive. I'd been playing games for a few years, but as far as like my little 
you know, uh, brain pathway of jumping down the rabbit hole. That's just 2010 is when it started. So it's kind of a nice serendipity here. So these games, though, I don't see them talked about. And again, I'm not sure if the war games thing will keep going. So let's go to number 18. Uh, this is Horse Heresy from Fantasy Flight Games. It's set in the Warhammer 40K, 30K uh, universe. Not play this one. I know a buddy who has it, and I would like to play this one. Actually, I know two people that have it. And it's one that I've always wanted to play. It's kind of reenacting the whole, like, uh, opus storyline of that Warhammer 40K universe with Horus coming and invading and killing the Emperor and all that stuff. Uh, it's a two-player game, big, epic, you know, war game and all that stuff. Uh, Fantasy Flight has lost kind of the, well, not lost. They just don't have the kind of the Warhammer licenses anymore. And this was such kind of a big, epic production uh, that I don't, know that this game will ever get made again. And I think it fetches a fair sum, you know, on the third party market. And I do see it mentioned and stuff. I mean, a little bit is because I have, you know, kind of a loose interest in trying this. It just, I don't really have an interest in tracking down and probably paying whatever 300 bucks it is for it. No, no, not at all. But if somebody hasn't and wants to play it, you know, we set aside time, I would totally do it. Cause I've heard that the game is kind of a mess rules wise. You know, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard that. Um, but I've heard once you kind of can grok it and get into it, it's actually a really fun game and, uh, and just, you know, a lot of crunchy stuff. And uh, it's kind of that old school fantasy flight thing where there's a lot of rules and, you know, big miniatures. And I think there's like some terrain that even set up on the board and stuff like that. But it's a it's definitely a board game, not a miniatures game or anything. Uh, and this one I do see you see mentioned, you know, but like I said, I have kind of an eye to it. So maybe I'm looking for the mentions. So that's number 18, Horse Heresy. Now we're going to start to get into some stuff that I've played. <laughs> Uh, number 17, Forbidden Island. Don't own this one anymore. Had it for a long time, several years. Uh, played it with the family a bunch. You know, my game group would play it. I played it solo. Uh, really fun game. I see this one mentioned all the time still. I think it's in print. It probably goes in and out of printings. Uh, this is by Matt Leacock, the designer of Pandemic and Pandemic Legacy and a bunch of other games too. And this is one I think has stood the test of time. You know, it was hyped up probably because it was kind of a lighter pandemic and it was kind of riding the sort of wave of pandemic because pandemic was still really hot in 2010 or this list is probably made at the very end of 2009. I think pandemic came out in 2009. So people were like, hey, pandemic's great. Everybody loves pandemic. And then, you know, what's his next thing? So, and I think this one has, uh, has held up. It's definitely lighter, but it's really fun solo and it's really fun with kids. And I can speak, speak to that because my uh, youngest son really liked it. And, uh, and I think this, this one has, has held on. So this is interesting to me. That's number 17, Forbidden Island. Now number 16, most people I think involved with the hobby will know this one. This one is Small World. There's been lots of spinoffs. There's like a World of Warcraft Small World. There's been numerous expansions for it. This is not a game I really have cared for. I've played it a few times, trying to give it a chance. It just does not speak to me. Um, I couldn't, I'm not going to give you some kind of like poindexter math answer why I don't like it. It's just not really that fun. I don't really like the, you know, you, uh, whatever it's called in the mechanics, like you build a civilization up and then you kind of knee them down and then you transform into another one. Like that just, I don't know. I just can't get into that. It doesn't really, not that cool. And then, you know, you kind of draft the little combos of civilization. That's neat, I guess. But I just never could get into this one. And I tried it probably four or five times and because everybody really seems to like it. I just cannot wrap my brain around this one. And I just don't like it, but that doesn't mean anything 
Uh, this game is still around, still in print. It goes in and out of print all the time. The expansions go in and out of print. We've got spin-offs and all that stuff. So this one, this one, you know, hung around. So the people were hyped up with, uh, with good reason in this case, with number 16. Uh, let's see, number 17 is Thunderstone Wrath of the Elements. And I'm not sure which expansion this was. It's probably one of the first ones. Uh, Thunderstone's still around. Thunderstone Quest is now what the game is called. I really like Thunderstone Quest. I did not like Thunderstone back in the day. I, I must have played it probably a year or so after this list was made. I finally got around to playing it back then. It really didn't, like I said, didn't speak to me. I would much rather play Dominion at the time or Ascension. It was the one I was really into back then. And Thunderstone just didn't really, wasn't fun. It was, I thought it was kind of boring actually. Uh, Thunderstone Quest, I really love. They kind of fixed all the things that I thought were just, you know, theme, they kind of hijacked the theme away from me at the time. You know, it was just like, felt like, gosh, this should feel more thematic than Dominion. And in my brain, for some reason, I was like, Dominion actually feels more thematic to me. Sure, they, you know, glossed over basically Dominion with a fantasy paint here, but it just didn't really work out. I didn't feel like I was doing a dungeon dive or anything like that or going on an adventure. I didn't feel any of that. And then Ascension, on the other hand, had this real quick kind of like, in-game draft thing with its center row and stuff which was really just cool you could like build your deck and play at the same time that felt a little bit more like you were sort of drafting and playing at the same time so thunderstone is not something that stuck around but i'm really happy i tried thunderstone quest and obviously thunderstone has lasted this long in general to go and get kind of you know revisits uh in terms of the design space and stuff like that so this definitely had some and this wasn't just an expansion Right, so this was, Thunderstone was still riding a pretty good wave back then. That was number 15. And then number 14 here is Washington's War. This is a game I played, I think I played it twice, but I know I played it at least once. Um, this is kind of the remake of We the People. And it, We the People was kind of like the first card-driven sort of war game in that vein of Twilight Struggle or 1989 or... Uh, 1960, The Making of the President. This was the first one that did that, where you all your actions were driven by your hand of cards. The cards had events and operation points and stuff like that. And I did like this game. This was a really cool game. I didn't play this one until after playing Twilight Struggle and some of these other ones. And those kind of had the added effect of you could trigger events for your opponent. You know, if you really like, I really don't play this, but it's going to trigger the event for you. And that just added that whole extra dimension. And I'm not even sure that that would actually work with this game because it probably didn't make a lot of sense uh, given the time frame and everything. But this is one still I think people still mention. You know, it probably doesn't get mentioned quite as much as Twilight Struggle. Uh, I don't think it ever really went up the rankings. Um, So... Um, you know, and this, again, this was kind of a reprint. So I think this was, this was kind of riding some of that hype because there hadn't been a lot of those card driven war games back then. There's been several more after, and we've seen like smaller ones that take a half an hour nowadays with like, uh, 13 days, 13 minutes. Um, you know, there's the Watergate one, which is kind of in that same vibe. Uh, so those kind of political war game card driven games have lasted, you know, you don't see a ton of them, but you still see them frequently and, and over the last few years even. So, and this is kind of the one that started off. Well, the reprint of the one that started it off. So that's Washington's War. Number 13 is Automobile. This is a Martin Wallace game. Uh, this is one I have played. I don't own anymore. Uh, it is not my favorite Martin Wallace game. Uh, it is one that I do enjoy playing though. I do like playing Automobile. It's a fun game. And it's, you've seen kind of re-implementations of this with, uh, he had another game called Ships, 
where mechanically it kind of is in the same realm where you're sort of going around this big track and sort of graduating and improving all of the technology for this particular industry. So in the ships, you know, you kind of get the, you start with the sailboats and then you get up into the industrial ships. And this, you kind of start with, you know, like the Model T and then you get into the more advanced cars. It's kind of the early era car development, uh, you know, a piece of history there. And you're trying to manage your, your company and all that stuff and taking loans and things like that. Um, but you're really kind of dealing with that sort of we'll call it the obsolescence track, which is a lot of things you see in kind of the 18XX style train games where the, the technology of the trains improves and it kind of really blows up that part of an 18XX game and focuses on that. So it's a real cool, interesting aspect. And automobile is one that you see mentioned here and there, you know, and I think a lot of, some people I have talked to, this is like their favorite Martin Wallace or one of their favorites. Uh, it's not quite up there for me, but like I said, I enjoy the game. Uh, so that's number 13, Automail, still kicking, you know, still around. And then, well, speaking of 18XX, number 12 is 1830, Railways and Robber Bears. Now, this is a reprint of the earlier edition, and this one must have been made by Mayfair or something like that back at the time, which I don't believe they're in business anymore at all. And, uh, and this is kind of like your default 18XX game, so I think people were excited about it back then to... To have like a, a little bit better of a quality, you know, production in this case, uh, you still there's still a real solid 18xx sort of crowd. It's something that if you get into the hobby, it's something you try to dip into. I think a lot of people, if you if you're really like trying to explore all the different game spaces that there is, that still exists today. Um, I've tried a couple of them. I haven't really jived with any of them. I have some hang-ups with some of the stock market stuff which is just like i thought this was supposed to be realistic <laughs> and the way the markets behave is just it's just not like it doesn't i have a lot of issues with it so and i understand it's a game but it's also like i i don't want that if i'm going to abstract something let's just go let's just you know put the pedal to the metal and just abstract the whole thing um uh so yeah, but the 18xx stuff is still around it's been around for a long time before this time and so this is the reprint of that so that's you know, again, in 2010, it was still prevalent. It's the number 12 on the list of the hype games. People were excited for it. And I think if you if you saw like a brand new 1830 game, maybe by Capstone or somebody that was like this really high quality thing with E&O tool art, you know, kind of like you did with Age of Steam, people would be, be stoked about it. I, I'm pretty confident that that would still happen. So I think this thread is still around. All right. Uh, number 11 is the Cosmic Encounter expansion for Cosmic incursion and this uh, would have been from fantasy flight i believe at the time and so this, this is number 11 now we're almost in the top 10 of hyped games and cosmic encounter is is up there and that's i think this game has really just maintained its popularity uh and its popularity has probably just grown over the years um because it came out got originally i think it was the early 80s i don't remember exactly it might have been the late 70s when it first came out and I think it was late 70s. And then, you know, jumped from publisher to publisher and has gotten reprintings and there's been spinoff games and there's been games kind of in its in its vein, like uh, there was Cosmic Encounter Duel and there's the Dune games, which kind of use some of that. There's a couple of different ones that use that same sort of mechanic and, and things like that of the kind of uh, possibility to have multiple winners or one winner in a game, which is just a real interesting dynamic. I have played Cosmic Encounter probably five times or so, and I have had a great, amazing 
games of it, then I've had games that are just like, eh, that was sucky. Let's just play something else. And it kind of depends on the people. It kind of depends on the mix of powers and, and all things as you get these different alien powers and how they all kind of interact with each other. Uh, I believe Fantasy Flight still has the, the rights to this and they still print it up and stuff. Uh, you can get all of these expansions, I think, are still in print. Uh, they probably go in and out of print, but you can you can get them if you wait a few months. So again, this is this is a thread that's still going to this day. That's number eleven. Uh, number ten is Empires uh, Builder expansion. So this is for Age of Empires three, which is no longer what the game is called. And go, oh, I'm having a brain fart. What it's called now? Somebody in the comments will mention it, and I'll try to sticky it or something on YouTube. But they've redone the game. It's still the same mechanics and everything. Uh, it's come out from Eagle Griffin Games, and I can't remember the name. Uh, it was originally based on the Age of Empires 3 video game. And now, of course, they you know lost that license, or that license you know, expired. And then they remade the game. Same idea, same theme, because it's set in kind of the colonization of the new world type of idea. And it had a real interesting kind of worker placement stuff. Uh, you know, it's got the colonization issues of a lot of board games that have come out over the last probably 20 or 50 years. <laughs> and um, so it still has those kind of things prevalent in them. Uh, and so that is, that is what that is. Uh, so it is about colonizing the new world and sort of taking it over and carving it up uh, for the forces in, in Europe. Uh, the mechanics are excellent in this game. I played the, I never played the Age of Empires 3 one. Um, but I did play the new one, uh, which was kind of this glorified uh, production of it. And so that's still been around. And that, this one's kind of been up and down, you know, over the years because it kind of, you know, jump publishers and jump uh, themings and, and licenses and stuff like that. Um, I think in today's climate, it'd be interesting to see if they could come out with this. Um, you know, the colonization issue is, is an issue. It's something to address and something to just... Uh, I think deal with head on, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, and it's not obviously a pleasant part of history for uh, really shouldn't be pleasant for anybody. Uh, you know, so it's interesting to see that this, um, this expansion came out. And I think the new edition that came out from Eagle Griffin had this builder expansion combined with it. I think it did. So this one has lasted a little bit. So very interesting. Okay. So number nine is the one game I do have still. And that is Glory to Rome. There's a little bit of glare on there. I actually have the original one uh, from here. I did not like the Black Box Edition when it came out. I thought the cards were ugly. And I know <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense because the R in this is pretty ugly. But uh, sort of graphic design-wise, UI-wise, user interface-wise, I still like this one better. I got everything for it. It actually has been some time since I played it. I really do enjoy the game still. Um it's kind of right there with San Juan. San Juan kind of beats it just for its simplicity. And it has a, it's a little smoother, you know. Uh, but this one has a lot of really cool things. And this one, I think, came up with the idea of the lead and follow bit in a card game. Kind of like a Puerto Rico thing. Um, but it kind of fused that with your cards. So the cards that you played also were the role that you played. And also sort of comboed each other. And you would build like this display of cards around kind of your main player board and you'd build you'd sort of fan them out on the top left and bottom of this big player board and this game you cannot find because it's in kind of a licensing nightmare where i, I don't even know the details of it but whoever made the black box edition i don't know i don't know i don't want to say who screwed what up because i really have no idea because i didn't really care about the black box edition but this game is like the likely never to get made. Now it's been kind of reincarnated with like a dinosaur theme and then this Motani game, which I did like. 
I never played the. I think Uchronia is the name of the. Is, Uchronia is like the same game ex- exactly, except it's dinosaurs, and it's just like <laughs> that doesn't get me excited. And I have the original, so I don't really need it. So I think you could probably find a copy of Uchronia. Do some research on that. I'm not sure if it's exactly the same, but this one would be if somebody could wrangle the license and re-wrangle some artwork or something. A lot of people like the black edition, you know, whatever. Um, this one could still be, you know, very, very much prevalent, but this is, this hits some real licensing snags and some real, I think there's some real hurt feelings on a lot of sides here. I, I don't know. I'm just speculating because this thing is really a classic. A lot of people still talk about this one. It should be, it should be out and about. So that's number nine, glory to Rome. That's the one I do have. Uh, number eight is a game called Finos, and this one has stuck around, and I don't currently still have this one. Uh, th- this has received a t- two editions, I think, like that, um, and and so it's it's by uh, Vitalis Serta. I think it was one of the, kind of like his first hit. Yeah, it might be his first game, and so if you're familiar with Vitalis Serta games, uh, you know you, you know what Finos is probably, and it's it's a winemaking game in Portugal. Uh, it's a great game. It's a really crunchy game. There's a lot of neat kind of market mechanics and just real smart little nuances here throughout all the different mechanics. And there's been, you know, I think two or three editions of it at this point. And I really can't recommend it enough. And I don't have it anymore. I've, I still got On Mars and The Gallers. Those are kind of my two hits from him you know and i'm not a sentimental guy i will eject the game as quick as i can to make room for something else because i don't need you know i don't need like six vitalis or games um some people do and that's cool um but uh like I, my personality is not that way i like give me a couple of good ones and then you know let's look at some other people too <laughs> anyway so uh but this this game has really lasted and i really started probably propelled or at least started his uh career uh, as a game designer and he's an excellent game designer so that's number eight uh, vinos uh number seven is campaign manager 2008 and so these are by the this is by the folks that designed 1960 um, and 1960 was about uh, John F. Kennedy versus Richard Nixon and about that campaign. And it was that card-driven uh, kind of war game. It's not a war. It's, it's like an area control game in this case, where you're, but you're fighting over area. Uh, in this case, you're over electoral votes uh, in the case of 1960. And they kind of made like a smaller, streamlined version of it with Campaign Manager 2008, which was about the Barack Obama versus uh, John McCain election. Uh, this is a game I, I played a f- several times, a lot, and then I end up not liking it because it's like it has this weird. It's been so long. It has this thing where you can get the game in a state, and it's just like, oh, you're just kind of going through the motions, and whoever happens to win wins. Uh, because this one is, you have your own decks of cards instead of a central deck. And you kind of just cycle through it and you have kind of these big hitter cards that will move kind of electoral votes on these cards. So instead of a big map board, it has like cards that represent various different states to grab the electoral votes. And you kind of do tug of, tug of war on a couple of those at a time then you kind of reset them and put some new ones out. And then you get, you know, a certain number of votes there. And it's very, very like abstracted and it's got like this issue track thing and it, which is like the one part of 1960, which is probably the least favorite part of that. Um, it's okay. 
you know, like it's not really that fun though. After a few plays, it gets really, really samey really quickly. Um, but it was, you know, topical at the time. You know, 2008 election had just happened, so I think it was trying to strike while the iron is hot, and it was, it was all right. So that's number seven, campaign manager 2008. Number six is Command and Colors Napoleonics. Uh, there's been a lot of games in this Command and Color series. Uh, this was, I don't remember, I think Ancients came out before this, and then. Not long after that, Napoleonics was the one that came out. And you had a lot of Command and Color series uh, initially, uh, like Memoir 44, and then there was Battle Cry, which was the Civil War one. So you had you know, a lot of munitions and ranged gunfire in those. Napoleonics and Ancients had just kind of tactical skirmish combat. There was no obviously, uh, well, I think he had bow and arrow and stuff, but it wasn't like guns everywhere. You know, there were some units that didn't have range. You don't, you don't shoot with them. And so I remember at the time, this being really one of my uh, favorites because you had these cool things you could do with these formations. You could block up units and sort of act as um, uh, almost like wedges in the battlefield. So the battlefield tactics felt a little bit more present with this one. Uh, this one's still in print. This is from GMT Games. And uh, there's been expansions for it. Um, and stuff like that. And there's been more games in the Command and Color series. So this is something that's still around. And it's a lighter war game. It is card-driven. Um, you know, everybody's got kind of their own deck of cards, and you activate the left, center, and right flank with that. So it's either you're act or you're activating certain types of units. And there's some real kind of interesting give and take with, you know, I've got this card now. I can play it. I can kind of, you know, lay the hammer down there. But I really need kind of a backup card to really double down on that. So maybe I'm going to kind of faint off that side of the battlefield and then kind of, you know, kind of toy with my opponent or try to and try to get that little setup of cards that I need to really, you know, go step one, step two, step three and push them off, uh, you know, uh, the territory that they're trying to cover. So this is this has obviously been around. So this series is kind of that right in that sweet spot of its. I think a lot of wargamer types like it. Not all of them, you know, some might grab at me, but you know, a lot of them like it. And then there's kind of the more casual folks, you know, also will like it and it's easy to get into. And I've played some of these games with uh, my son as well. Uh, not this one in particular, but um, well, Memoir 44 and Battle Lore. And there was like a robot one, like a, a Abaddon or something like that, that, that was cool. Um, yeah, so, but this is a good one. You could, you could play this with kids easy. Uh, number six, uh, number five, is a game I think I've played twice, and I really liked it. It's called Founding Fathers. This is another one of those card-driven kind of political war games. So that you can see there's kind of a theme here with this year. People were really excited about these sort of historical, sort of realistic-themed types of things, at least in the board game geek space. Uh, this was one that was interesting because I think it plays up to four or five players, and you're kind of jockeying for issues to kind of pass in the constitutional convention uh, in the 17, late 1770s, 1780s uh, of the United States. And so you're trying to get issues passed and kind of you get some kind of like prestige points or something like that. And it actually works out really well. I've seen some of these other games, um, I think, come out after this because this, this one, I don't see it talked about too much anymore. I don't know that it's still in print, um, but I think it should be because there is some interesting stuff that goes on with this sort of you know, you're trying to like, if you think about it in modern terms, you're trying to get a bill through Congress in a way, and you're trying to, you know, sort of package up certain things and give and take on certain issues to try to eventually come to the conclusion, but also look really good at the end of the day. 
And this has a lot of those kind of vibes into it. And I remember distinctly I played it twice because we played it back to back. And I won one of them. <laughs> and, which is not, you know, an often thing. And it was really fun. There was a lot of, we had a lot of discussions about the things that were going on and the issues and stuff like that and also the mechanics. Um, so if you can track this one down and you have folks that are kind of interested in history or, I don't want to say politics, but, you know, government stuff, right? Um, this is a cool one. I like this one. Um, and I like playing it for, like, non-political reasons. Like, if someone wanted to discuss politics with me while I play this, I'd be, like, really irritated, actually, and probably not want to play with them. But if someone wanted to talk about kind of the structural fundamentals of what they were trying to do, that would be really cool. Um, so... That's a cool game. I really like. I really liked and enjoyed my plays of this uh, back then. So that's Founding Fathers, and I think it's the exact same. Not one or two of the designers also was involved with Twilight Struggle campaign manager and stuff. So these guys were hot and heavy. See, number four is uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill, and this is a, a new edition of that back then. Um, yeah, there's, this has been talked about. This one's still around. I think they just came out with the fourth edition here the last couple of months. Um, this is one I played a couple of times, and I think all my plays were really good. There was one time where some, you know, whoever got the, the haunt, you know, screwed up the haunt or something, and that kind of messed it up, but um, that's because it was confusing. And, you know, it, it was a long time ago. It was probably about around this time that I, I played it, so we probably played... Yeah, this looks familiar, the box cover. Uh, we probably played that edition of it. And it's a fun game. Like, it's a, it's still around. Like I said, fourth edition. People were hyped about This is just a new edition here uh, in the fourth place of this. And so I think people have really been looking forward to a really high-quality edition of this game, component-wise. I don't know about the latest edition, but even the third edition, there's still some component issues and stuff. And it's like, come on, just, just make a really good one. And, like, you know, cut some of the fat on some of those haunts. And, you know, like, because that's really been the thing is like some of the haunts are really cool and really fun. And then some of them are just like, what? <laughs> like, did you test this? Um, and that's been kind of folks experience with it. So anyway, number four, Betrayal in the House of Hell still going strong, you know, several, several years later. Number three is Dominion Alchemy. Uh, I played a lot with this expansion for Dominion. I, I think this was probably the third expansion for Dominion. Uh, I loved Dominion back in the day. You know, I played it a lot. Um, Ascension was kind of my jam. I actually played Ascension right around the same time as Dominion because Ascension really what kind of brought me back into the hobby, like full full steam ahead. And because I had a long story, I've said it several times on the channel what happened, but I got into that and I was like, oh, Dominion's also in a game like this. Got that. I was like, really, we, my group of friends at the time really liked that as well. And Alchemy, I remember being a very, very neat one. I don't remember the exact mechanics, but it did something cool and different with it. Um, I think, yeah, you had the little blue potions you could also spend or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, but Dominion is kind of gone. I know they reprinted and stuff, and they've reprinted now. Some of the expansions have like second editions now. So it's still around. I think it's still probably selling selling well. Uh, it was the first deck builder. So it makes sense that an expansion for it was, you know, number three on the most anticipated games of that year. Um, and it's a quality game. I mean, it, it just introduced a whole new set of mechanics and things for people to play with. You know, up until today, we have Dune Imperium, which is, you know, frankly, one of my favorite games of all time at this point. And that just combines, you know, deck building with worker placement and all kinds of other things. But you got to have the deck building, you know, to make some of that stuff work. And Dominion did it. And so you can see that. 
with the number three, Dominion Alchemy. And number two is Rune Wars. Uh, this is a game I played uh, once, and I really liked it. And we played it four player, and one of my friends absolutely hated it. <laughs> and so I haven't played it since then, but I did like it. This is kind of your big epic fantasy thing where you've got armies, kind of like Twilight Imperium, but fantasy. You've got little uh, heroes you can send out on quests and you can go fight monsters and you get dragon shards or whatever it is and all these different things. So you can control area, you can collect, you know, the shards and get uh, kind of get a victory that way. And there's like seasons and stuff like that that kind of change up the rules of the game. It's got just a lot of stuff, this big, bulky fantasy flight game, which they just don't really make anymore at all uh, these days. And I, th I think this is for the first edition of Rune Wars in 2010. It must be. Because it was a few years later that the second edition, uh, which is the one that I played, um, came out. Or this might be for second edition. I don't remember. We'll find out in the next weeks. But in the first edition, you had like these big mountain tiles, like big plastic mountain chunks uh, that you could you could use. Uh, but the second edition kind of revised some of the rules, and that one that was good. That was a really good game. I don't, uh, you know, there's other games in that genre that I prefer, um, like Forbidden Stars or Star Wars Rebellions, kind of in there, but not really. But Forbidden Stars is a lot like this and uh, stuff like that. So. It's a good game though. Like if you somebody got second edition because I think it cleaned up some of the rules, I would recommend it. Like it takes you a few hours to play it, but if you like, if you want a big like epic fantasy thing, and this is set in the uh, Tiranathi uh, you know universe with the Descent universe and all that stuff, so it's, a, it's in that same universe and a lot of those same characters are there. Um, I would recommend checking it out. I don't know how much uh, the, the copies go for on the on the third party market, but if it's cheap, then I would get it and try it out. So this brings us to number one, which is Race for the Galaxy, The Brink of War, which is, I think, the, that would have been the third expansion for it. And this one, if I recall correctly, introduced Prestige and some other things like that. I have played with uh, this expansion. I played with like the first five expansions. I will say for me, Race for the Galaxy, I like it with the First two expansions, probably. Once you add in some of this other stuff, like Scorn Prestige and stuff, it's cool, but I just haven't played it enough with that extra stuff, and there's already a lot going on that I just haven't been able to dedicate the brain space to play it properly. I played the base game with, you know, the first expansion, first two expansions, several times, several dozen times, um, and really enjoy it. It's a fun game. I don't own it anymore. Um, just because well, a couple people in my group have it and they're fans of it. And if we want to play it all, I'll, I'll totally play it with them. Um, but you know, as far as like my family life goes or, you know, randomly playing with other people outside of kind of my main group. Yeah, whatever. I'll just play Glory to Rome. I'll play, you know, San Juan and some other games like that. They're just a little bit easier to get into. And they kind of fit in that same space, you know, just without some of that extra layers of hurdles that I've got to get over. But I really do enjoy Race of the Galaxy, but you can testify here to the popularity of Race for the Galaxy back then, at least in the board game geek space, that the third, I think the third expansion for it was the number one most anticipated game to come out. All of these other new games that were coming out were not, didn't hit the top. It was this expansion for something that people knew. And Race for the Galaxy is still in print. There's been Roll for the Galaxy. There's been New Frontiers. Um, and these other kind of, you know, 
sort of spinoffs of Race for the Galaxy, which is, again, kind of a spinoff of San Juan, a spinoff of Puerto Rico, and that kind of thing. And Glory to Rome itself is kind of a spinoff of, you know, those style of games. So these, a lot of things going on with this list, lots of car-driven stuff, all those war games, you know, Founding Fathers, Campaign Manager, the reprint with Washington's War, and you've got the Glory to Rome, the Dominion um, expansion, the Race for the Galaxy expansion, lots of car-driven stuff was popular back then. And that was something I kind of got into me because I really liked cards. You know, I liked playing Magic a little bit. I liked playing the old Versus game. Uh, for a while there, I was like playing poker a little bit. And, you know, the card play stuff. There's just something about having the hand of cards. You know, you feel like you can, you got your own little secret. You got your own little strategy that may or may not work out. You can kind of surprise people. There's that vibe, you know, that kind of cigar smoke filled room. Um, you know, kind of thing with the lights dim and stuff. You don't know what your opponent's got and all that stuff. So there's something about cards, I think, that are really kind of an interesting thing that was very present uh, in this time period. I mean, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I mean, this is what people are excited about. So I'm just going to kind of extrapolate <laughs> my theory onto that. But yeah, so that's, there's that list there. So that's kind of a good walk through memory lane. Um, didn't play everything on here. I'm going to play most of the stuff. Uh, so I'm going to keep doing this, whether you like it or not. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this list so you can see, you know, nine more of these over the next few weeks. So anyway, that's what happened in 2010. Thanks.